Today, I'm joined by Tony Beals, a very well-known estate agent from Norfolk, who's on most of the estate agents' uh, social media platforms and is very well thought of in the industry. He joins me today on the Watkins sofa for him to tell me his estate agency story. Thanks for joining me today, Tony. Thank you very much, Chris. It's an honour to be here. The pleasure is all mine. The pleasure is all mine, my friend. <laughs> So what I'd like to do is do your estate agency story, Tony, if that's okay. okay. So I want to roll back. You were born in the mid-60s. I know you don't look it, bless you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Very <laughs> kind of you. We're off to a good start. As, uh, as you were growing up in the uh, early 70s, um, did you know what you wanted to be? Or? I had absolutely no idea. Um, astronaut? Yeah. Astronaut, footballer. Kevin Keegan was my hero at the time. So... Um, yeah. Of course, so if you were born in 66, Keegan was com was really strong in in the late 70s, wasn't he? Yeah, very much so. Um, and obviously a close affection with Norwich City Football Club and my favourite player at the time was Ted McDougall. And I remember uh, I remember we went on a family trip down to Bournemouth and he had a sports shop down there and I was just totally in awe of being in his sports shop. So an actual footballer was... I mean, what, what division were Norwich in at the time? Uh, they were sort of... Pretty much as they are now, actually, sort of uh, um, yo-yoing between the, the what was then the League Division One and Division Two. So, uh, and what made you go uh, and follow Norwich? Was that a family thing? Uh, yes, my uh, my dad was a keen Norwich fan. Um, his dad was a keen Norwich fan, so uh, it's only natural, really, that I should be a Norwich fan as well. And my son's also a Norwich fan. Go well, the Canaries! So. I think that's absolutely yes, yes, yeah. and they won on Saturday, so that's all good. Excellent. Great stuff. Um, what did your father teach you as you were growing up? Oh, crikey. Um, a lot, in fact. Um, life, practical. He was very practical. He was a, uh, a BT engineer uh, at the forefront of his um, profession. Um, but a lot of practical skills. And he was, he was kind of like a genius because whilst he had a, uh, the job that he did with uh, BT and laying cables and things like that, um, which was, I suppose, the start of the internet and stuff like that, you know, way back in the day, uh, in the early days. Um, but he was also very good, you know, like building. I mean, he built the extension on the house. He built a detached double garage. Um, he was great with electrics and stuff like that. He was, you know, so he... You know, tried to impart obviously a lot of his knowledge on uh, on me, and, and an example of that was uh, um, my wife and I um, uh, took to um, cycling um, a few years ago, particularly sort of during the pandemic and just before. And uh, she got a puncture. And I thought, oh my God, how can I mend, mend this? I'd already put sort of gator tires on mine so that I avoided the puncture. And I just remembered my dad was able to, you know, what he taught me when I was growing up, how to mend a puncture on a bike. Basic elementary stuff, but, you know, that knowledge sort of came in really handy. And I sort of like did it as though I was sort of second nature. What did your mum teach you as you were growing up? Uh, how to cook. <laughs> Are you a bit, a bit of good cook? Oh, yeah, yeah, I love it. What's your signature dish? Um, if you're trying to impress, uh, I'd probably say a Sunday roast actually, because I cook them so many times. But um, you know, I like to sort of follow me uh, recipes off um, like Waitrose recipe cards and things like that. Is that your is that your kind of away from family? I mean, obviously cooking with families, but is that your passion in life? Cooking. I know you're a bit of a sports freak, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I I, I enjoy I enjoy putting a, a recipe a meal together from scratch. And and seeing the end product and tasting it and 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 having a, a real good you know 
I always find it that if someone else cooks it, it always tastes better than you cooking it yourself. I don't know why that is. <laughs> People do say that, actually, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, obviously, aside from um, that's probably my main one. Um, obviously, as sport, is, I've got lots of interest, but uh, I, I really do enjoy that. Did you have any brothers and sisters growing yeah, up? Yeah, I've got brother, uh, John, and uh, he uh, he works in London and uh, is involved with media and so forth. So, so you're a Norwich it's Norwich where you come from. Is that is that oh, yeah. town? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Although I grew up in Essex, so uh, I'm a Norfolk boy when it suits. I'm an Essex boy when it suits. <laughs> and do you know Delia Smith? Because obviously, she's yeah, a... I've had a picture with Delia Smith at uh, at, at Norwich City Football Club. Is yeah. she still involved with the club? Yes, she is. Yeah, yeah. Her and her husband. So uh, were you at that fateful there. game when she had a few glasses of wine? I wasn't actually. No, no. Let's be having you. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, you went through your teenage years. Any part-time jobs or anything like that? Yeah, I had paper round from the age of about 12 or 13, um, up every morning early and uh, in all weathers uh, to go and deliver the paper rounds. And I had a competitive ev edge even then because it was just a case of getting it done as quickly as I possibly could because then I had to get home, get changed, and then get down to the station to get the train to go to school. So, uh, um, yeah, there was, there was urgency required there. So you were... You must have been one of the last cohort that were doing O-levels. Yes. Or pretty close yeah, to it. Yeah, um, that didn't end well. What, how did, why did they not end well, your O-levels? Um, Which is I, GCSEs, everyone, for those who are, <laughs> who are, who've got a four or less in front of their age. Yeah, um, I just wasn't really academically um, tuned in. I was preferred the sport side of things, um, running, athletics. Um, so, yeah. Did you want to do your A-levels? Um, no, not really. I don't, I don't know really what I wanted to do, to be quite honest yeah. with you. I mean, the careers office was next to useless at school. So, um, and I think they put me into, um, hotel catering, which at the time I didn't really have a passion for cooking anyway, because I'm still living at home. I'm still a young lad. So what did your parents say to you when you, uh, your levels? Uh, I went back to culture, uh, Colchester Institute then to re to do the resets, which, uh, didn't really end that well either. Why not? But, uh, again, I'm you know 16, 17, mates going to rock gigs and stuff like that down the pub. Yeah, it wasn't sort of really. Okay, so if O levels and academia wasn't for you, what did you end up doing? Um, I come from a farming background uh, originally, so um, um, I was encouraged um, by my parents to uh, go and get a job. Well, going to agriculture, basically, because I'd had a few part-time weekend jobs, um, sort of uh, mucking out and, you know, feeding and stuff like that. So, uh, and holiday jobs as well. So, I mean, I'm not practically, I mean, these hands weren't made for uh, being practical. Um, so basically, it was a case of uh, that's all I knew. And then I ended up getting a place at Agricultural College in Rittle and uh, did, my, did a practical and moved away. I moved up to Lowestoft to have a year's practical on the farm, which I hated. What is that? Um, it just wasn't me. I just, it, yeah, lots of uh, accidents. And I remember <laughs> one time I was uh, on this uh, tractor um, spraying a field with big old arms on the fertiliser spreader went to turn the corner and clip the arm off the uh, by hitting a tree. The farmer was not amused and uh, he sent me uh, the next day to uh, the UEA to an agricultural conference, I think, just to get me out of his uh, sight, I think. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't great. But I, I ended up jacking that in in um, 
uh, in the January, I only got about six months, or no, about four, four or five months into the practical. I was like, yeah, this, is, this has got to end. So let me guess, you went home and your mum says you best get a job. Very true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, huge amounts of peer pressure there. Yeah, absolutely. Have you been down the job centre? Have you been down the job centre? Have you got any interviews? Because all my mates were at sixth form and that, so it was that's the last thing I wanted to do. I was living rent-free at home, so great days. So don't tell me, let me guess. You saw an advert in the paper like the rest of us and said, oh, that'll keep me going. For a state agency, or just, yes. well, I had to apply for anything. I, you know, I literally had to apply for anything. I had to go down to the job centre, and uh, and I got there was two two jobs that I. So this was for. this was in mid eighties. So we had YTS at the time, yeah. Very much so. Yeah, uh, this was about eighty eight uh, January eighty four. So um, yeah, I went down to the job centre. Unemployment was quite high. Yeah, we were in recession, I believe, at the yeah, time as well. Um, just coming off the back of quite high inflation. Yes, very much so. Yeah. And uh, so I went down to the job centre, they gave me two jobs. One was for a wood yard, working in a wood yard, um, timber merchants, and the other was an estate agency. Uh, so I went to both interviews. Mum took me down to Burton's menswear and decked me out in a very nice three-piece suit. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I went to the timber, t the timber merchants interview, and I thought, yeah, I did really, thought I'd done, done really well. I really wanted that job. I could see myself working there. Also went to the estate agency job as well, and I just didn't have a clue. I didn't even know what mortgage was. They asked me that was one of the questions, and I said, I haven't got a clue, I don't know. Anyway, I was round at my mates on the following Friday, and uh, mum says, uh, phones me up, to, uh, up my mates, which is always awkward when your mum phones, you know, one of your mates' houses, and said, you know, can you tell Anthony to come home straight away? And I got my bike. Push bike home. What have I done now? Yeah, what have I done now? Yeah, she shouldn't say what it's all about. She said, Mr. Williams has been on the phone from the state agency. So you've got to give him a call. So I gave him a call. They offered me the job there and then. And uh, I thought, oh, great. I really wanted the timber merchant's job. But anyway. So. <laughs> Just now, you could, you could have been, it's that sliding door moment, you yeah. could have been Norfolk's leading timber merchant. I could have been, yeah. Or Essex, Essex at the time. But, well, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, you could have had the whole of East Anglia. Yeah. That could have been yours. Yeah, could have been, but no, it wasn't to be. So, so you fell into a state agency like the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. Scary, isn't it? February the 17th, I think it was, 1984. So what was your first few years? I'm assuming you were office junior. Office junior, yeah. Photos, or did you have that old do you know machine? What? Do you know what, Chris? I remember very vividly having worked four or five months hard labour on the farm in all weathers being it brutal. It was really, uh, you know, tough. Um, and I couldn't believe that I was sitting in a very nice, warm first floor office overlooking Colchester High Street. Um, uh, secretary sitting opposite me and I was putting pieces of paper into an envelope and I was being paid to do it. I couldn't get my head around that. I, you know, and that's, I still to this day think to myself, you know. Through the franking machine. Through the franking machine, yeah. And we had the obviously brown envelopes and the photocopier as well. And Sticking the photographs? Uh, the, oh, we, we had uh, the black and white screen dots that went on oh. and they, they went through the photo, you know, to keep, keep costs down. They have mini prints and, uh, at, uh, at that company anyway. Um, not in those days. We maybe did. I think we had for the higher end properties, but uh, yeah. <laughs> And then a few years later, you went and were promote. You moved firms and were wait for it. Junior Neg. Whoa! 
Yeah, I have those titles these days, do they? No, uh, I mean, yeah, as junior negotiator. You just turned uh, twenty. Yeah, you just turned twenty, and uh, did you get your company car at that time, or was that uh, a little bit later? That's no, when you got value, was that, it? That was when I moved up to the next company. After I was only at that particular firm uh, for a couple of months, if that. Um, so why why only a couple of months before you moved on to become a value, or was it the plan is that? It was purely and simply because I didn't feel as I was getting on very well um, at that particular did they company in Whittam. Did they promise you some? Did they... No, it wasn't anything to do with that. Um, I was always going to work for uh, Strap Daughters and uh, I'd got fed up with where I was working beforehand and uh, that was why... just pretty much a stopgap. Why were you always going to work for Strap Daughters? Because uh, I knew the owners, because uh, they were just literally around the corner from where we were uh, in culture stuff. So when I worked for... Um, Taylors. Um, struts were just literally just around the corner and we used to sort of yeah, have quite a few conversations and stuff like that. So, so you became a value and egg? Yeah, I did, yeah. And, uh, and opened the Chelmsford office in April 1986. As a 20-year-old? Yeah. Branch manager or value? No, I was just a, va a, a value of stroke and egg. I'd never actually listed before. So, <laughs> so it, it was a Can you remember getting on your first free valve? Yeah, yeah. Ten Petunia Crescent, Springfields. It's funny how we all do remember our first yeah. valuation, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. Did you get it? Yeah. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Took us about a year to sell it, I think. But uh, yeah, we did, I did get that it. Was short, yeah. oh, that was a short, in them days, that yeah. was quite a quick sell. Yeah. That was. And when did, did you start to fall in love with the state agency this time, or was it just a job that paid for the Yeah, money? very much so. Um, because, I, I, I mean, obviously I'd been sort of, you know, um, working the negotiator role for a couple of years and um, obviously having sort of um, had the uh, farming experience and the poor experience with my O-levels and, and school and so forth, um, Stainsey sort of seemed to give me that confidence booster. Um, and Alex Smith from uh, from Struts said to me, in the, you know, when I remember I went round to, to drop off a letter, I think it was a sub-instruction, I don't do these, those these days either, uh, and I was handing a sub-instruction and he asked me to tell me a little bit about it and he said, you can really sell, can't you? I said, can I? I had no idea. Um, and yeah, and I think that sort of, yeah, that was one of the first things that really boosted my um, um, confidence and gave me the feeling and belief that I could be successful at this. Do you think the fact that, that the, the farm was hard work and you flunked your O-levels made you fall in love with the stage? Oh, 100%, more? yeah. I mean, you, you talked about my uh, my father earlier. Um, and my, my dad, you know, whilst he taught me a lot, he was quite a hard man to please. And I actually ended up taking my maths O-level four times just to pass it, just to prove to him that I could do it. Um, so I had that determination. And the fourth time, I didn't even need it, but I still took it anyway. And it actually, the, the company that I was working for at the time, Taylor's, actually gave me a bit of leave, study leave, to be able to get to pass it, which I spent round at my mate's house uh, at a swimming pool. <laughs> and then I passed. So much I should have done that with all my O-levels. Struts got taken over in 88 yeah. by Connells. Yeah. Um, that must have been when they had their checkbook out, because a lot of them were buying them in the 80s. Very much so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Did things change? Yeah, because by that time, um, I was, had then uh, already been um, made uh, branch manager at Felixstowe. Um, we took over a, a company on the outskirts, well, right by the seafront. Had front. you moved home by this time, or did you travel every... No, I, I was... Still, I was I living... No, I'd moved out. I bought my own house by, at that particular point. Quite, 
you know, you were 21, 22 and you bought your first house. Yeah, well, we were all buying houses. Everyone was buying houses. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely scary as hell, but everyone in the, in the 80s, yeah. you, were, you bought your first house at 21, 22. Yeah, I remember my mum. In dad, fact, 21, 22 was considered quite old. Yeah, it was, yeah. I, was, uh, I think I was 20 when I actually agreed the purchase, I was about 21 when it sort of went through. Um, and then moved to, to, I had no terrorist. intention of moving out. Either. Two two down terrace, like the rest. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. Yeah, I drove past it the other day actually when I was down in Essex. So uh, yeah, it's oh. still there. Um, but uh, yeah, and my mum and dad at the time said, you know, you don't want to be buying a house at your age. You know, it's uh, don't become a rate payer and things like that. And I thought, yeah, no, I do. So I did, and that was it. So so running Phoenix though, Connells took over. Did things change? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. So obviously, you know, you said you love strut, strut daughters. You said it was meant to be. Yeah, I like the environment. Struts was great. I mean, it was, uh, it, it was, um, yeah, it was, it, it really gave me that sort of um, confidence and belief to that I could really make a good um, a career out of the state agency. I enjoyed that. And who, who at Struts actually did you look up to? I know you already mentioned one person. Is yeah, one? I mean, Alec, uh, Alec and um, obviously Paul Smith still very much involved in the industry. Um, but, you know, Alec was, was great. And, um, oh, obviously I've got a lot of time. Is that where Paul Smith Paul. came from, from art? Yeah. Came from Strut? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Right, right, right back in those early So you days. worked with him when yeah. he was younger? Yeah, yeah. You similar age? Is he slightly older? No, he's, I think he's a bit older than me. He is a bit older than me, yes, yeah. he is. <laughs> No, 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 small way. No, you, yeah, small world, isn't it? And then, yeah, and then we came together a bit later on in the journey, which I'm sure you'll come to. As is the want of all corporates, they like to mix things up a bit. So they moved you back to Chelmsford. Yeah, I achieved, um, you know, really good success over in Felixstowe. And, uh, yeah, we were a top performing branch. And uh, they, because obviously I lived in Essex, um, they then moved me back to, um, to Chelmsford to take over as branch manager. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, it was quite a surreal time, really, because that was... Uh, 19- Just before the, the crash, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was 1988. So, um, and then we had, I think, in the budget of that year, in the March, I think Nigel Lawson yeah, the announced Morris. that they were going to withdraw the Jewel Morris and just have it single. Um, and, uh, but he set a deadline. And that deadline was August 1988. So the market went absolutely mad um, with um, house purchases. And we had obviously a record number of exchanges and completions um, in, in that particular August. And, uh, and that was then that they then started to increase the interest rates to curb the house price inflation, um, which had, I think, escalated something like 79% from 1982 to 1988 or 89. And then it went pop. It very much did go pop, yeah, yeah, and it was really challenging, and, and uh, certainly uh, that period onwards uh, was, was 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 very difficult. What did you do differently to try and make sure that the business was going okay, even when it did go pop? Because you'd never obviously experienced that before when you were branch manager. Yeah, um, it was difficult getting everyone on side. Um, I mean, obviously, with with the market how it was um, back then, um, and the challenges that we faced, we had to be really sort of proactive, you know, and um, get get prices right because obviously that you know it slowed down, interest rates had risen quite considerably. Um, pretty much again, what we're what we're doing now, really. 
So why aren't you still there? Why why are you not like a divisional director for Connells? Oh, I just I, I, the, the, the corporate life was was wasn't for Did me. Did kind of move in no. slowly? Um, you know, I'd already had a, a very brief experience of corporate life and didn't like that. And um, and then when we were um, obviously they yeah a low point obviously at that particular time was um, that you know I don't mind admitting it I struggled you know I did struggle. Um, we were making the numbers and, and doing what was... Um... So you were getting hassle from the... Yeah, yeah, But were yeah. other branches making the numbers? Uh, some were, um, in, in, in different parts. I mean, obviously, you know, um, other areas were perhaps doing better, other areas weren't doing quite so better, but because obviously it was a flagship branch in Chelmsford, um, I think it had that ex level of expectation about it, so it was difficult and... Uh... But you were only 23 at the time? Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, 23. What do you think you'd have done differently with what you knew now, if you were, if you were talking to your twenty-three-year-old bat person? Um, I think I would nowadays. I mean, I would be a lot more. I, I would have more confidence about being able to sort of handle a situation. And... But what would you tell your twenty-three-year-old self if you went back in time for like two minutes? Um, Sorry, you don't mind me asking that. I just like to ask that. No, that's fine. I think I, 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 you know, I would tell myself that you know I needed to be stronger, um, have more belief, more self-belief, and um, you know, believe in believe in what you what, what you're doing. Does that belief that you have now just come from the fact is is that you're just older and wiser, you're longer in the tooth? Yeah, hundred percent. Grey hair. I've got the. Well, I haven't got much hair at all, to be honest. With you. No, well, I'm, I'm being complimentary. Oh, thank you very much. Um, yeah, um, I, I, yeah. I, th I think the experience that I've had over the last sort of best part of forty years in a state agency has set me up very nicely to deal with what we're currently experiencing. And uh, you know, so um, are there things I'd have done differently? Well, yeah, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? it? Is. Um, but um, but the, but these experiences that that they they make of the man, don't they? They do. Um, I mean, if, if what advice would you give to someone who's in their late twenties, who's branch manager, say? Who who's you know worried about what the next few months and years are going to? I think you've it. just got to believe in yourself and um, you know believe in your strategies and um, and and have the confidence and conviction to to see it through um, and be and, and be strong. And can that be done solo, or do you have to surround yourself? with I think people? you need to have the right people around you, hundred percent. You really need to have the right people around you. And how do you ensure that the team are motivated? To, you know because. People want their boss to come as be the, the standard bearer. Yeah, I think you've got to lead from the front, basically, and and lead on the front foot and uh, and enable your team members to um, engage and embrace what you're talking about and uh, what what you know what you want to achieve and and why you want to achieve it. And it comes down to something that uh, I mention a lot, which is purpose accountability and continuity and I think if people recognize what their purpose is and they're accountable and you you know you engineer the continuity you will succeed it's as simple as that yeah I, I believe it is yeah definitely now unfortunately you were kind of levered out yeah 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 I mean you know it, it it was it was it was a tough it was it was tough um but um, how did they do that um, I think they bought someone, one of their um, um, previous, because obviously they took over, when, when they took us over, I think, I can't remember how, how many branches we had at the time, but um, they kind of like uh, infiltrated their 
uh, Connell's personnel into our organisation and uh, they brought one of their um, um, respected members of staff in to kind of like oversee it and yeah that, my time was done basically then. Did, did you leave or did they ask you to leave? I think I left yeah no they didn't ask me to leave um, they want they did no they just definitely but yeah I left and uh, um, how did you feel? Oh very I felt yeah I was, I was yeah, low, to be quite honest with you, because obviously that was, I suppose, it was a big disappointment um, having so, sort So you weren't of... made redundant, but they kind of forced you out? Yeah, I don't know whether forced... I don't okay. think they forced me out, but I think that they basically... Made it uncomfortable for you to... Yeah, be. I suppose so, and um, and I think that, yeah, that, that was it, and I, I needed a new challenge, but I think also as well, so... How did you get over that? Um, and what tips would you give to someone, you know, because there's going to be people listening or watching to this who are going to be in the same position as you. Yeah, I mean, the thing was, um, at that particular time, um, I was quite relieved of having been um, relieved of my duties, if that's the correct expression. Um, but uh, I just needed time to let the dust settle, uh, gather my thoughts, um, I mean, I was only a young boy at the time, so, uh, um, but it was a case of really just sort of putting together sort of like um, and collecting everything up in my head and then, you know, moving forward again. So, uh, yeah, I mean, but you have to have bad times to appreciate the good times. And uh, I always told myself that and I still still do to today, to be honest with you. So you had a mortgage to pay. Yeah. What did you go and do? Well, obviously, as we just talked about, interest rates were high. At that particular time, we were talking about 14%. 15. 15%. Um, so, 15%. yeah, I um, I went to uh, sell kitchens, bedrooms and bathrooms. Door to door? Door to door, commission only. That sort <laughs> At a time of recession. What did you learn? What did I... You know, that, I mean, that is pure business generation. Yeah. You know, the vast majority of people watching this say, oh, I'm not going to go door knocking in yeah. a state agency. Yeah. What did you learn? Oh, that taught me so much. It taught me so much. It, it, it taught me the value of a lead because you had to self-generate your own leads. So I would go down to the local printer, get a big box of leaflets printed up, leaflet drop 1960s, 70s housing estates, and then go back about a week later and say, knock on the door, did you get my leaflet? Would you like a kitchen design or a bedroom design? And uh, a few people said, yes, they would. And um... How did you, you know, estate agents, the, the type of personality type, because if you don't mind me saying, you're not a normal estate agent. Okay. <laughs> That's a compliment, by the way. Thank you. The vast majority of estate agents, in terms of their personality profile, that they, they, they're outward going people, people, and they want everyone to love them, and they use their people skills on the proverbial sofa to get the business. Yeah. But their biggest fear is rejection. How did you learn to love the word no? In relation to what, kitchen, bedroom, bathroom, or just generally? Well, it's now? generally, isn't it? It's um, the same, isn't it? Because if you think about it, now in a state agency, what you learnt with door knocking with kitchens mm, and bathrooms. Yeah. Um, bathrooms. How did I learn to uh, accept the word no? Because the state agents hate that word, don't they? Do I mean, they very much so? Yeah, yeah, definitely so. And I think it's something that I saw on a Tom Panos video fairly recently, actually, is that you have to build it into your uh, mindset. You have to accept it. You know, when I was younger, 
um, and I'd sort of just taken over Millbanks. You know, if I'd have lost an instruction for whatever reason, you know, I'd get really, you know, I would go, I would get really upset about it and take it really personally. And what have I done to upset these people? Why haven't they gone with me? And, you know, it, and I take it really personally. But I think as I've got older, um, I've learned to understand that you don't win every single instruction. And, you know, some people may go with a specific agent because they've maybe bought through that agent or maybe that there's a relationship there or maybe they know a friend of a friend of a friend or whatever. And I think you have to work with what you've got. And I think that you can't win everything. And I think that was one of the how I um, enabled what enabled me and helped me to accept the word no. It's interesting, though, you said you 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 were selling door to door and, and, and learning to love rejection there. But when you did set, eventually set up your own agency in 94, by the sounds of it, you hadn't learned it or it hadn't you hadn't. Reflect. Oh no, I hadn't learned it. I hadn't learned it. No, I mean, I can remember doing a uh, knocking a big house in I think it was Stratford St Mary on the Essex Suffolk border, um, and uh, I've got a kitchen design out of them, and I think it was going to be about a twenty grand kitchen. Back then, was huge, and, um, and they went next door and signed up, and went with a different kitchen company, and oh, I was absolutely mortified, you know, um, but it goes with the territory. I'm afraid you were then. In 1990, brought back into the fold of a state agency. Yeah. Why is that? Uh, I missed it. I really missed it. It uh, is like the Hotel California. You can check out, but you can never leave. Absolutely. And I think, yeah. I, I miss it as well. I'd love, I'd love I to I know, we've had it. these conversations in the past, haven't we? Um, yeah. The wife would divorce me, by the way. She, sorry? The wife said she'll divorce me. <laughs> I love it. Um, and I, 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 that year out, I did miss it. And um, I thought, you know, and I, and I think the, and I think the, for me going back into it in 1990 and to be invited, um, you know, for, you know, by John Paul and Alec to um, um, be part of the original setup of Spice McCall back in Cambridge. Um, yeah, it was an honour really, because, you know, these guys had uh, obviously achieved huge success and, um they obviously saw something in me that uh, um, would enable the uh, the new company to uh, lift off, and we did hugely well. Um, but I tell you what, from having done that year of kitchens, bedrooms, and bathrooms, like I said just now, it really gave me the appreciation of a lead, because when you have to work so hard to get a lead, and you have to really nurture and 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 look after that particular customer. When you then go back into a state agency and you're getting loads of loads of leads because we really are appalling yeah. at it in the stage yeah aren't we? absolutely yeah um so and i think that that is uh, you know and, and let's face it we pay a lot of money for our leads you know whether they come off the back of a for sale board that still has to be paid for right move that has to be paid for anything it all has to be paid for so you you know it's it's being able to appreciate and maximize the opportunity so what made you want to set up your own estate agency? You were 28. Okay. Uh, so that was the other low point. Um, uh, you know, things didn't work out when, I mean, we had a great couple of years at uh, Spicers. I went and moved to Norwich. Um, to we, we opened the Norwich branch, but that didn't, um, and that was a tough time, 93, 94. Very doldrum sort of market. Yeah, absolutely so. Absolutely. Um, it was and, neither up nor down. It was just... Bloody hard. It work. was tough. It was really tough. And Norwich was a really tough market as well at that time. 
Um, but we went up there and, you know, um, we opened, I think it was about the August uh, September time, something like that. Yeah, it was the start of the football season. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, we did had... Did you move back to... Did you move to Norwich? I'd already moved to Norwich at that particular point, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, we opened it up and, uh, you know, we, we hit it hard. Um, we were very proactive. Um, but I think it came round to sort of like six to seven or eight months later. And, um, yeah, I think the um, it was felt that, you know, perhaps my efforts weren't as perhaps as good as what they perhaps should have been. And, uh, yeah. Did, and, you, did it kind of feel like a deja vu at this point? Hello, yeah, 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 de definitely so. Yeah, and it, it was always in my sort of um, thoughts that, you know, I'm good at what I can do when I'm out valuing and stuff like that. But when I've got pressures of management on my shoulders, it's, I find it really difficult. Well, I found it really difficult, um, really difficult. Because I, I, I've run a, a big city centre branch for the Halifax and you, you, you're looking after the team. You're yeah. not doing a estate agency as yeah. such. And, I, and, and then you're getting the pressure from the above because you're yeah. not getting the numbers, especially if you're in a big branch. You know, yeah. big city centre branch like Norwich, it's going to be like that. And I think you absolutely hit the nail on the head there because and I looked at this and I thought to myself that when I was working in Chelmsford as branch manager and then obviously working, you know, as director in charge at Norwich, big city offices, and I just didn't... I, I think I always felt that... I don't know, I just felt out of my comfort zone. I'll be honest with you, I felt out of my comfort zone, especially after the Norwich uh, you know, situation. And then I look back and I think, why was I successful in Felixstowe? Really successful, because it was a smaller community. So that then made me think that when things didn't work out for me in Norwich and I then left, I had nothing to go on to. Um, but I thought to myself, where's the next stage in my, in my progression? You know, I've been a you know, director in charge at Norwich. What do I do? Do I go and work for someone else as an egg or a, a branch manager? Or do I set up on my own? Um, and, you know, I'm all for moving forward. So that was the logical next step. So you bought an existing firm in Attleborough, which is a, a small town south of Norwich. Very much so, just why on the A11. Why did you not set up your own agency with your own name? Or was it just happened to be for sale? And So I did actually look at uh, opening a branch, actually. Got a in... nice feel to it. Feels estate agency. Yeah, well, I did actually um, um, look at opening up a branch um, in Norwich. Um, but for one reason or another, that didn't materialise. But I had all the branding done. Um, and I was actually going to call it David Anthony Estate Agents, which is my first and second name reverse round. Had it all done, the whole lot. And, um, and it didn't, there was a problem and it, it didn't, didn't go ahead. And I thought, oh, crikey, I'm really now, yeah, three months I've been sort of like living off savings. I'm not sure how much longer I can carry on. And by complete fluke uh, and coincidence, um, Living in Norwich, I normally go down the was it the A140 to get to Colchester. This time, I went, and I've never done another it since. sliding doors moment. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And I thought, well, I'll go via Beckles, which is sort of like along the uh, um, across the top and then down. And I thought, you know, I'll, I'll just go past where I used to work on the farm, and uh, you know, just have a little trip down memory lane. And I thought, well, I'll pass through Loddon while I'm going. Loddon's between Beckles and Norwich, and um, 
Yeah, so I thought I'll, I'll pass through uh, through London. Anyway, I saw an empty shop, and I thought, yeah, I'll take down the name and give them a ring when I get uh, when I get uh, to my mum's. And I saw another one in Beckles, and I took that number as well. I thought, yeah, I could work in these little places. Drove down, rang the guy up when I got to my mum's. It was a Friday afternoon, about quarter past five. The guy was still there, and he said, uh, he said, no, you won't get planning permission uh, on on those two uh, two shops. Definitely not. He said, but if it's in the states, in days, in them days, it was different planning permission, wasn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, A two. Yeah, A two. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and he said, yeah, you won't get planning permission on those. And he said, uh, is it an estate agency you're looking to do that? I said, well, yeah, it's really Really. He said, well, would you be interested in a going concern? I thought, wow, have I won the lottery or what? Ka-ching. And I said, yeah, yeah, that would be great if there is one going. And um, the Millbanks office, they were trying to sell the whole freehold of that. What, did you Was it Millbanks that you rang? No, I, it was a, a business transfer agent. Oh, I business believe, transfer. In, oh, thank you, then. In Loddon. Um, and uh, he said, if, if it's a uh, estate agency that you're looking for, I've got one. And he said to me that uh, they'd been literally trying to sell the whole freehold. And I think they wanted about 125 for the whole lot. I had a flat above it and everything. I said, well, I wouldn't be interested in that. I couldn't afford that. I said, but I'm willing to take a lease. And uh, I think they made a few calls. And uh, yeah, so basically I bought out the uh, the going concern um, with the office. And uh, yeah, that was, uh, and I think we agreed, the deal was agreed on that. Um, when was it? It was 84, so that would have been about November, and the deal was done within about six weeks, and I completed... Uh, 94. No, Yeah, 94, sorry. Yeah, d- December 94, um, and it was com- yeah, completed just before Christmas, 23rd of December. So you were 28 years old. Yeah. Keys to a, of a, an estate agency. Yeah. Was it like a, a, a dusty old brand that had been around forever? Yeah. One-man band, yeah. a couple of nags. Yeah, the neck. office had damp in it. It was an old... Big, patterned carpet um i mean david i never met david milbank who was the business that i bought the uh, bought it from his estate and uh, um but he ran a really traditional estate agency very old so he passed away had he then he passed away in the february before um uh, and, and had had his staff just been treading water his daughters uh, his daughter ran it and she worked for me for an initial transition period of three months um yeah that was uh do you think it was meant to be yeah 100 percent Definitely so. What have you learned in those 29 years running your estate agency? <laughs> I don't think we've got that long, have we, Chris? Uh, <laughs> I mean, you've, you've, been, you've been through one big crash in 08. Yeah. You know, you had the good times. Yeah, had the good times. Um, yeah, we had the financial crash. We're now obviously going through another one now. Um, then what obviously we learned in the um, uh, crash in 88, 89. And also when I came into it in 84. So, yeah, there's been a lot of uh, tough times. Um, but I think it's all it's all character building stuff. And it's, it's enabled me to, you know, learn significantly. What advice would you give to someone starting their own estate agency today? Keep your costs low. Very much so. I had this um, spreadsheet because um, we didn't have computers back in 94 or whatever it was. I had this written out spreadsheet of what I was expecting to do and what my costs were going to be. Um, and it was kind of like about up there. And in reality, it was probably about down there. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, yeah, just you, but always believe in yourself, never doubt yourself, stick to your convictions and um, just keep an eye on your costs. What other advice would you give? Because I mean, 
you know, there's only so much that you can do on cost. What about growing your agency? What have you learned over the years on that? Over the years, I mean, obviously, um, I think nowadays compared to, you know, when I started uh, Millbanks in um, December 94, um, prospecting now is, is incredibly a lot easier i suppose because you know it's i mean all we had to go on back in the day was like probably a canvas letter um and that was pr pr pretty much it you'd identify the properties by the for sale board or a picture in the newspaper um or looking in the agent's windows um but i think prospecting is a lot e easier now because there's so many different platforms that are available and um, obviously you've got the internet and you've got all the data that's available as well. So I think that, uh, um, but I think prospecting is huge. Do you think it's easier to open an estate agency today than it was back in the nineties? Or was it just different challenges? I think it's different challenges personally. Um, okay. And um, you know, you're in your mid fifties now, if you don't mind me saying, what's the future? For me or for the industry? For you? For me, um, I really love and get a real kick out of what I do. And people have talked to me about exit plans and, and stuff like that. I don't really have one, to be quite honest with you. Are you just enjoying the journey? Yeah, I still enjoy it. I, I still get a huge buzz out of it. I mean, I did a valuation on, uh, or an MA as we call them nowadays, uh, on, on Friday. It's still a vowel. Yeah, it's still a vowel. Isn't you it? kids market appraisals. Yeah, it's still a vowel. There you go. So that's a free yeah. vowel. And, you know, provided great advice. And, you know, the owners thanked me. And I put another property on the market a couple of months ago. And the owner said, you've done such a great job of um, promoting and marketing of our property. And, and so, I, I, you know, I love it. I still Where do you get it. your kick from? Helping people. So it's not the listing. It's not all oh, winning one over the competition. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it's sort of, you always like to do that, don't you? But I think it, it's helping people. It's enabling people to, um, yeah, the next chapter of their journey. And we're just a sort of like a. Uh, we are very. We're, lucky, we're a stepping we? stone, really, aren't, aren't we? We help them. We yeah. are very lucky to be, to net, net, you know help people move from one chapter of their life Absolutely. to another. Absolutely. Yeah, and we try and do it in the most professional way we possibly can to enable them to, um, you know, to have a good experience. And I think, and I think in the agency now, it's more important for that level of concierge service more so now than it was, ten, twenty, thirty, even forty years ago. It really is because I think nowadays the property market is um, and everything, all industries, you know, we're under the microscope. We're in a goldfish bowl. Everything's very transparent now. Um, so you have to make sure that you're absolutely on top of your game and that you dot your I's, you cross your T's and you provide um, excellent service. World class. You've got a great team. You've got uh, D, your wife, who's, yeah. who's lovely. And you, you've got a great team as well. Um, what do you put your success down to those two? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, Dee's been amazing. She's very supportive. Um, we work very well together. Um, and my team in the office, um, I think any any successful business, industry, whatever, has to have, it's all about people. And this is why when I rebranded Millbanks, connecting people with property, people is the most important element out of all of it. And I think that... Uh, you know, if you've got good people within your organisation that you can trust and um, who have the same uh, feelings and the same... Um, the passion same, and drive. Yeah, passion, drive, ideology and uh, and so forth. I mean, it makes a huge difference and uh, yeah, that's important. I suspect that probably if we got you back here in the mid-30s, you'll still be selling houses in Africa. Yeah, probably, yeah. What else are you going to do, eh? 
apart from run, not much more. And, you know, I'm always trying to get out of housework and um, practical DIY around the house. <laughs> there you go. Thank you for your time today, Tony. Thank you very much, Chris.